it's not possible to see through the window at the Starbucks in the Stony Brook University Hospital lobby. That's not because the place is wrapped up in protective curtains or just straight up shut down. It's still operating and caffeinating hospital personnel. The reason you can't see through much of the glass is because it's plastered with multicolored posters and messages thanking the hospital during the coronavirus pandemic. The wall is one of the things Dr. Christy Golden highlighted when we walked through the lobby last week. So, so where, what, what is this exactly? Like, what are we looking at here? This big wall of... Uh... So what you're looking at is the glass wall of Starbucks and mounted on the wall are many, many responses that we got from the community. Beautiful pictures, beautiful letters, posters, lots of colors. Both children and adults have sent us things showing that they appreciate the staff and everything that the staff here at the hospital are doing. Golden is a member of the hospital's executive staff. She read out a few of the messages on the wall. Saving lives is what one says. We appreciate, thank you, Stony Brook ER staff. We have a lot of people who are rallying for the staff and faculty that are here mm-hmm. because they know that they're coming here every day and they know what they're going through in order to deliver the healthcare services to sure. our communities. Stony Brook is one of Long Island's main hospitals and a center of the fight against coronavirus. Right now you're on the East Campus. Okay. Nichols Road separates the East Campus from the West Campus. Over on the West Campus, a federal field hospital is going up, and there's a state drive through testing facility. Our West Campus, mm-hmm. we have a testing site that's run by the Department of Health. It's our resources that are there providing the support services. On the East Campus, we were standing in the main lobby, which was mostly populated by staff now. The individuals that are coming in this way still are individuals who work here, the faculty, the staff. This is one of two entrances that are open right now for staff and faculty to enter through. And they get screened. We all have to show our badge at the front door when they come in. And uh, individuals that are coming for some other purpose get screened by our nursing staff who are making sure that people aren't coming in symptomatic. The screening last week included answering questions on a piece of paper with a pencil stub. The pencil was then discarded. We went down an escalator towards more medical areas, like a pre-surgical admitting section, which was now dark and essentially empty, thanks to elective surgeries being canceled. There was also an entrance to a labor and delivery section, with a big vat of New York State-issue hand sanitizer right next to it. Further in that direction was the emergency room. Where are we now? Is this, this is going into the emergency This would be going into the emergency department mm-hmm. waiting area. And then through that waiting area is where beyond uh, the next set of walls, all the way down is where all the treatment bays are for the emergency department. And they have different levels of care in the emergency department depending on what the patient's needs are. So they could have an acute care, they could have a critical care need, and they would be placed accordingly. And it seems pretty pretty calm here. You know, there's not, there's not, no one's running around. I mean, what is the, is it like this everywhere in the hospital? Well, it's, it's certainly uh, very busy. Mm-hmm. And we are serving a lot of patients on the floor. Part of the inactivity that you see is because of the visitor restrictions. Mm. So there are far fewer people here than would normally be. And in in an effort to keep staff safe, there are a number of staff that are able to work from home or able to work off-site, which helps reduce the number of individuals that are actually here in the institution at any given time. So if you were up on any of the medical floors right now, you'd have a different perspective because there's uh, a lot of activity that's occurring in terms of caring for patients. But right now you're in an area that's relatively quiet. In this relatively quiet area, there were hospital workers grabbing a second to relax on their breaks. 
They were sitting near windows, catching some sun, mostly alone, in their scrubs, scrolling through their phones. Most of the ones we walked by were wearing masks, even though Golden said they didn't necessarily need to be in full protective gear out here. Still, this section of the facility was quiet and relatively calm. I asked Golden how these doctors and nurses were able to retain some level of equanimity, even in the middle of this crisis. I think that there are so many things that healthcare workers are taught, and one of those things is about how to manage in a difficult situation, how to stay calm in a situation that to the average person might be extraordinary. Um, healthcare workers are trained specifically to be able to manage those types of situations. So the majority of the people that you see working in healthcare, they come in, they are here, they are here to address whatever the immediate need is, they're here to serve the patients to the best of their ability, and despite what they may be thinking or feeling or the fear that they may experience as a result of something like this, many of them are able to just check that at the front yeah. door yeah. and come in and do the best they can for the patients and the families that they're seeing and then be able to try to deal with that uh, after their shift. I'm Mark Chisano, and this is Episode 9 of Newsday Opinion's Life Under Coronavirus podcast, an oral history of how Long Islanders are coping with and helping each other through the pandemic. Stony Brook is right at the center of the pandemic here, and its staff is being put through the ringer. Emails from a nursing manager reported on in Newsday last week painted a dire picture. This is disaster medicine, the nursing manager wrote, and quote, staff who have never had a panic attack are having them. The part of the hospital where Golden and I were talking was very much not where that disaster medicine was taking place. But some of the initiatives Golden has been working on are meant to ease the physical burden on staff and help them cope themselves. That includes telehealth. Golden is one of the leaders of the hospital's telehealth work group, and she's an evangelist for the benefits of telehealth. The general idea is being able to use technologies like video conferencing to help support care from afar. By using those types of apps, it does a number of things. It helps reach the patient, it helps connect patients here, even patients that are in the hospital, to their families and to providers that may not be physically on site. Uh, it, it enables people to experience less exposure. Mm-hmm. So both the patient and the healthcare worker, the less traffic you have coming in and out of the room, the safer you are. This kind of tool is obviously even more enticing during an outbreak of a deadly disease. I was just talking to someone the other day from the community who was telling me that they had gone for an appointment with their dermatologist. Mm -hmm. Stony Brook Dermatology is using telehealth, Mm -hmm. and they had a wonderful connection with the doctor, and the doctor was able to assess some concerns they had about their skin and was able to give them some recommendations uh, for treatment. So that actually just happened yesterday. Someone was sharing that positive experience. And then they didn't have to commit, obviously. Yeah, and then they didn't have to go to the office. So there's a lot that can be done. There's a lot of telehealth activities that take place in other areas of the country, particularly rural areas where people don't have access to doctors the way we do here. It's a newer concept in New York because our population is so dense and we have so many providers throughout our, at least the downstate region, that providers haven't had to rely and patients haven't had to rely on telehealth as a regular option, but this has brought telehealth to the forefront for this entire region as, a, as an alternate. Sometimes video can help families reach patients. Well, another example that I heard about was a patient that had been here on isolation that was unable to have a visitor, have their family member visit, 
we were able to provide that patient with an iPad because they didn't have their own personal device so that they could connect by video chat with their family and that made a huge difference in the lives of those family members to, to not just talk to him but to see him face to face and know that he was okay. All of this can help patients, as well as hospital staff who are less exposed. But Golden said there are more direct ways that telehealth can support doctors and nurses too. We have uh, uh, virtual support groups. We have a variety of... How's a virtual support group work? Similar to the way you would see any kind of video conference among a group of people. So some people may be on video, some people may be on phone, depending on what their level of comfort is, and they can uh, talk to each other with a professional, that a professional staff member that is on the phone to help facilitate that process. So there'll be, say, you know, a bunch of nurses, doctors, whatever, and they'll be talking about... They'll be talking about their experiences, they'll be talking about whatever stress they're experiencing as a result of caring for patients, mm-hmm. uh, stress they may be experiencing as a result of being away from their families, it seems. People have been separated from their children, uh, from their spouses, and uh, and that's can take an emotional toll. So our ability to support employees through those times has uh, always been important, but it has uh, taken on a new meaning at this point in time. Golden thinks telehealth could become even more common after all this is over. I think that people are experiencing it right now for the first time on many levels and on such a wide scale and that is that's enabling people to get beyond the fear or the concern about its use and realizing that it can be a very useful tool. In the meantime she and others at Stony Brook are trying to keep spirits up as coronavirus cases keep coming in. That includes little things. Every day we have a staff huddle and during that staff huddle we read a positive quote that launches the day with a positive thought in mind and I picked out four of them that I thought were very relevant to this moment in time. She read a few of the ones that have been used in recent weeks. So one that I like, um, this is one that I like. You're here at this particular time for a reason. You are a light for others. One smile, one virtual hug, or one hello can make a difference in someone's life. And that's a quote from someone named Keith Leon S. He's the author of the international best-selling book, Walking With My Angels, A True Story. So this is another one. You will never do anything in the world without courage. It is the greatest quality of a mind next to honor. And that was from Aristotle. That's part of this practice of displaying positive messages, like those Starbucks posters in the lobby. We have positive messages that we're doing our best to display throughout the facility. We're helping people to understand that there is healing taking place, that people are going home, that people are surviving this illness. And those messages are equally as important for our community to hear. People hear the numbers, they hear the fear, they hear the things that scare them. They need to also know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that there are people who are doing well after having been treated for the virus. Thanks for listening to Life Under Coronavirus. If you know of someone we should be covering or you want to share your own experience about coronavirus in New York, leave us a voicemail with your name and phone number at 631-213-1543.
That's 631-213-1543 with your message to the Opinion Department's Life Under Coronavirus podcast. We may use your message as the basis for a future episode. Amanda Ficina is our producer. And once again, I'm Mark Cesano from Newsday Opinion. Stay healthy. See you next time.